White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 652. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. We're back. Andy Fix, are you out there? We're back. I am back and I'm excited to be here, Van. You're back. You're back. I am. You're back gone. My, what, what was it I was on? I was on an uh, assignment. assignment. You were on assignment, yes. But I you're was back from uh, on location. On location <laughs> on, at Zahadum. <laughs> I told you, Andy, if you go to Zahadum, you will die. <laughs> and clearly you didn't listen, but you didn't die. So that's good. We, we're, we're one for two there. That's good. The good one. So, <laughs> so you're back, and we're ready to talk about two new episodes. I am very ready. All right. Well, we've got. Be, before. Before we get started on that, uh, I should point out that um, the new uh, Discovery Warner Brothers CEO, or not, yeah, the new Discovery Warner Brothers CEO announced the the head of the CW network, mm-hmm. and it is the same that was uh, in contact with JMS about uh, holding off on the pilot until the next season. He is that executive. He is now in charge of the new CW, so that... Is very bodes very well for for the uh, the new pilot coming along. Yes, that's good news because that's a guy that likes Babylon Five and wants it back on TV yep. and and is very supportive. And and saw saw the pilot script that JMS turned in and thought it was great. Yeah, I'm really there's I mean I'm like thirty percent just anxious to have new Babylon Five in any form, and I'm like at this point. It'll change later, but at this point, I'm like 70% just wanting to see how different he makes it and how maybe more sophisticated it is compared to 1994, 93, 94, you know. And and we, yep. we talked about this last time that, um, you know, some of the Babylon 5 shows were actually at least plotted out back in the early mid-80s when he before he even started trying to sell the show. So you're talking about yep. uh, 40... Almost maybe forty years have passed between when the original Babylon Five was first plotted out versus this new show, and so that's you know it's a different world, and entertainment is different. The way that TV shows are structured and paced and everything is different. So, and in fact, I'm curious to see: do right. we get like twenty two episodes a season, or will it be more like eight, you know, or six or something? Imagine trying to do the well, whole if, a whole if, Babylon Five season in six or eight episodes. Right. No, I you know the CW is, is traditional TV network. So they they do the traditional they do the 20 to 22 season or 20 to 22 episode seasons and sometimes they do the half season like they call it the the, the summer replacement series mm. which which gets 13 episodes. So minimum it will get 13. I mean, if you look at some of the stuff they had like what was that one show Supernatural or something like that went for 12 seasons 
20 to 22 episodes per season. I mean, that was wow. Hundreds of episodes, you know, I mean, it was, it was crazy. So it, if it, and, and it's not like it has to do spectacular numbers because it's on CW. So even decent numbers will be a hit for them. I mean, stuff like the flash, it went mm. what nine or ten seasons, you know, and 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 yeah, stuff like crazy. that. So they are they are willing to put money into stuff that that draws you know a, a, a the the right demographic, and the the sci-fi stuff right now is drawing good demographics as, as proven by their their whole DC. I mean, they had a whole DC universe on there for a while. So I'm curious to see because shows back in the early mid '90s had the big banging opening credits, you know. And then we kind of mm-hmm. went through a phase where shows had almost subliminal opening credits where like just the names were kind of on the bottom of the screen or or maybe there's like a five second, like the expanse, you know, right. or something. So I'm curious yeah. to see what angle they would go with the opening credits. Will he go completely against type from the previous series and just have like, you could have like Sheridan and Jakar on screen talking. And yes, Sheridan, because Sheridan's going to be there from the beginning. Uh, you could have them on screen talking, and just at the bottom in gold letters, like you know, like Babylon Five, right. just like a just a word yeah. on the screen for a second and go away. And as they're having right. the scene, you know, as opposed to you know, dum da 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 da, you know, all that. So there's it's just, <laughs> there's a lot of ways they could go, and I'm really really curious how they right. would do it. Um, and it should be pointed out. It should be pointed out that JMS absolutely broke new ground with Babylon Five back in the '90s. I mean, you mentioned that. The TV landscape is so different today. Well, a big, a big reason why it is so different today is because of what JMS did yeah. with Babylon Five. That's so true. it would be interesting to see what he, what ground he breaks with this new series, if any. I mean, he he yeah. could turn the the TV world on its ear again. So it's, we'll, that's true. We'll see. That's a good point. We think. Well, you know, coming from the '90s to now, will they? make it more like shows now but yeah he's an innovator he could make it like shows are going to be yep. rather than how that's that's a great that's another that's wow oh, a lot yep. to think about there yeah, it's so, interesting it's, a, a tv a tv historian was saying that we are in the 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 golden age of tv has been around for at least 20 to or about 20 to 25 years now and i i calculated backwards 20 to 25 years yep that was babylon 5 that's it yeah they they tend to connect it to things like the sopranos but I think, yeah, you have to go back to Babylon oh, sure. 5 for sure. For sure. Well, yeah, I mean, Babylon 5 showed that, that shows like the Sopranos could work. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, a couple of things. One, we sure did miss you last episode, but if you were going to be off on assignment for a, for a week, you couldn't have really picked a better time because I had so much material that you and I didn't get to because we didn't want to do a three-hour, four-hour right. show. And I had there were a lot of comments from the patrons, and there was a lot of notes that I never even used. And so we basically, I don't know if you've gotten to hear that episode or not, but we basically went through and just kind of emptied the mailbag and, and emptied the notes and just talked about it. And so I wouldn't have had that for any other week. So it was actually a pretty darn good timing right. on your part. So. I, you know what? I did listen to that episode. Luckily, Earthcom carries our podcast, so I was able to uh, listen to that episode, and it, it was a very good episode. I, I could tell that you were getting tired of talking by yourself. <laughs> I was, but, like, uh, man. And, I, and I apologize for that. But no, it, it, no. You, you did a, a bang up job. You covered a lot of a lot of stuff, and I, it was great to hear a lot of the uh, comments from the um, from our patrons and stuff like that. I, I thought that oh, was yeah. really cool. 
that was the best part by far was them getting to have a whole have a lot because they had a lot to say about those two episodes and that was good uh the other thing yeah. is we were talking about just now just a show note for the future before we get on into um walkabout is that andy and i were just discussing before the show that uh i've watched for all mankind all the way to the present and john ringer who's been on here i think we we reviewed uh foundation right together is he's seen it he's in the pro- yep. he's yeah he's he's through season one so andy's thinking about watching it and if so we're going to review it and we'll put it on here as well as on the white rocket show so it'll be kind of a bonus content when that comes along for you guys and again if you're not interested just skip it it's fine it doesn't cost you anything extra but if you're into that show or you want to kind of get a sense of if you should like it or not or watch it or not we'll be talking about it maybe so all right. Um, let's see. Do we have any other announcements or anything before we get into walkabout? I I do not. Okay. I think that's it. I think so. Uh, just remember, if you want to be part of the show, be a patron, leave us comments and uh, questions, and be part of a really nice and growing little online community of Babylon 5 fans, just go to www.b5review.com, www.b5review.com, and click on the Become a Patron box. i got to update that page. But the thing that matters on it is you can access the episodes there, and you can click to Become a Patron. So... Um, and by the way, one of the one of the features that you get is that the episodes go up early. And so, as I always say, usually Andy and I record uh, Wednesday night. We're we're doing it Thursday night this week for various reasons, but that's fine. We'll we'll get it up for the patrons, and then it goes up for everybody else the following Monday. So you even get early access if you want it. Um, all right. So, and then one last note is that we do talk about spoilers at the end. We save until the end. You will hear the signal. Jump gate activated. And that means we have jumped to spoiler space. So, so you, that's when you'd want to tune out if you haven't seen beyond this episode. All right. So first up, this, uh, this episode is 318. Man, we're getting close to the end of season three. I can't believe it. Getting close to the end of the... Uh, it's it's all about to hit the fire. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Yes, so this, it is. I'm so excited for season four. Oh, gosh. We're going to be... It's going to be... Uh, it's going to be a lot of singles, I think, instead of doubles coming up. Um, yeah. <laughs> 318 Walkabout. And I'm really, totally cool with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Uh, this is... We're still talking about where it aired earlier in Britain than it did in the United States, and that kind of irked me at the time, but it aired... I remember... I remember the British folks online would ha- would know what happened and were just killing us, man. They were killing us with like their their spoilers and their hints and stuff, and we're just like, shut up, you're, you know. But uh, August eighteenth, nineteen ninety six, in the UK, and it was all the way to September thirtieth that it aired in ninety six in the US. Written by J. Michael Straczynski, perhaps you've heard of him, and directed by Kevin Crimmen, who is kind of, I would say, a third level b5 director not bad not bad um so as always i ask do you want to kick off or defer to the second half i will kick off i can handle this one um so in walkabout uh dr franklin decides to go and find himself so after taking his leave of absence from the uh from the the med lab he decides to go on a walkabout to to try to sort his life out and figure out where he goes next and uh, Sheridan comes up with a plan uh, to test a special weapon against the shadows. Yes. So there is one important thing to note about this episode, 
it's not that it doesn't make sense because of this, but it, it makes more sense because of this. And that is, this episode was originally supposed to air before War Without End 1 and 2. And the reason that that would help, and, they, and well, the reason they moved it was because sweeps weeks were going on where they do the ratings. They really dig, dig deep down the ratings. And they wanted War Without End 1 and 2 to be part of sweeps week, which makes sense, right? Because that was like the big bring out the big right. you know, thing. But that meant right. they needed to move it up a week. And so they bumped Walkabout to after it. So we would have already met the new Kosh, about whom I have a few things to say, as you can imagine. We would have already met him and the return of Lita if it had aired in the proper order. Um, but the thing I think that it most impacts is Franklin. Because did you notice watching these two back-to-back this, this week, Andy, did you notice that in Walkabout, Franklin is fine. He's just bebopping around the station in his with his yeah. backpack. And in the very next episode, he's like strung out, leave me alone. Oh, do not look right. upon my visage. Oh. So it's, right. like, it's like some time passed, clearly, right? Yep. Well, War Without End is what passed, but they didn't, you know, it didn't come out in that order, so. So I was I know. was wondering about that because uh, my wife my wife mentioned that too. my wife watched both ep- episodes Woo. with me if you can believe that oh she yeah. watched Grey Seventeen I'm sorry yeah no she wanted to watch it because I kept telling her how bad it was she goes well I want to watch the worst one there is so when I start watching the rest of them with you I I <laughs> I know that I've already gotten the worst behind me I'm like all right all right she 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 was a trooper what did she think about Grace like, I've got to know I can't wait any longer what did she think she said that wasn't bad at all. But 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 the Zarg, right? She 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 acknowledged that that was horrible. It's horrible. But she picked up she picked up really quick on the uh, Sheridan and Delenn, the the their uh, their chemistry. She thought okay. that was super cool. Yeah, yeah. I gotta say, the Zarg ranks even below the Nocaline feeder, and even yeah, below the even, even below the infection guy. It does even oh. even below the the the, the mutai. No, the mutai. Yeah, <laughs> he's so bad. Even, even though we even though we had an alien with an Asian accent, That's... the rubber. Oh, this guy was the Zarg was just horrible. Just horrible. We've, we'll we'll get to that. All right. Yes, we um, will. Notable guest stars: Erica Gimple as Kalen. I guess that's the singer. Yeah. Now, uh, before you before you continue, do you know where she uh, she why she was hired for this? No. So she and my wife pointed this out to me. She was on the TV version of Fame back in the eighties. There was a, a, a she was one of the the primary stars of Fame. So she was a, she's an actual singer and dancer. So that was actually her singing. I got the impression that that's what it was, and I think JMS wrote the songs. He did. Yeah. He did. He, he yeah. And then Frankie, Christopher Frankie, did the music, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. Well, yeah, I, I had the sense that that was really her, and that's cool. Uh, Jennifer Balgobin returns as Dr. Hobbs, who's kind of taken over the med lab for, for Steven. Yep. Uh, Patricia Tallman, of course, is Lita Alexander, who is still not a regular, but I think that may obviously be changing soon since she's obviously getting incorporated back into the storylines. And right. then good old Robin Sachs as Nicole. Robin Sachs, who played all kinds of characters on Babylon 5, and yet on his resume refuses to even mention any association with the show. Right. Ticks me off, man. <laughs> I, think if, I think if Robin Sachs came to Dragon Con and bing, 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 
There's your Dragon Con reference for tonight. Though it won't be the last one. <laughs> but if Robin Sachs came to Dragon, I, I go up, get his autograph, thank him for being on some fine shows, and then punch him right in the mouth. Just punch, just cold cock him right in the mouth. <laughs> just ask him why. I know. And I mean, I don't like him as the Minbari guy because he's kind of a jerk, but he's really good as Nicole. Yeah. I mean, I really like Nicole. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, what kind of random factoids and notes do you have tonight? Tonight, tonight. You know what? I the only one that I had for this one, I already I already threw that one out. Ah. It was a gimple is from Fame. There you go. Okay. I don't have a whole lot. Yeah, do you have so some unanswered I, questions? I, I didn't either. I, I my my usual for, for cool facts were, were kind of light on this one. Yeah. Well, I actually uh, got more cool facts from, from the next episode. From Gray yeah. <laughs> Gray seventeen, okay. Uh, I have a few things. Um, Darth, uh, well, let me back up. All right, this new Kosh is also called. Ooh. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I got. I got. I, I'm sorry. I got one about. I got one about new Kosh. But go ahead and say what you're going to say. No, no, no. You you take nope. it because you're it's, it's you're, li- you. you're you're light on the con- right. on the on the factoids. So you go ahead and have it. The only thing that I dug up on this was JMS mentioned that because people were questioning why why new Kosh is so meaner and. His his encounter suit looks much more sinister, and he said that's because Kosh is military. The, this Darth Kosh is military, and original Kosh was from the diplomatic side. And I'm that makes me wonder if the Vorlons also have three branches like the Minbari. Because remember, the Minbari did not have the the, the three casts until after they met the Vorlons and Valen. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the Vorlons are right there next to Valen, mm-hmm. so I'm wondering if 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 the Vorlons are also because he made a point to say no, this this new Kosh is military and old Kosh was diplomatic. Yeah. So it it makes me wonder if if the Vorlons are also have a sort of not necessarily a caste system, but something similar to that, or have have originally had it and figure it's right. good for the younger races to em- em- emulate what they used to have. Could be. What do you think, Kosh? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> well, that's all I had. <laughs> I got a couple of things about him because he's a very important character for me. All right, he is called Kosh because I'm sorry. Let me do that. hold on. Because <laughs> we are all Kosh. Okay. Ooh, now but, that that was a good one. Oh, that sounded you. just like him. Thank you. Good. All right, but, and I'm losing my <laughs> voice too. Um, he's also known as Ulkesh Kosh. Whereas the other one was Kosh Naranek or Naranek or something, right? Mm-hmm. This is Ulkesh Kosh. And we used to call him back in the day, we called him Darth Kashi. And that comes from Babylon Park. Have you ever seen, are you familiar with Babylon Park, Andy? I don't think we've ever mentioned it on here before. I am not. Okay. We used there used to be this video series and they would show pieces of it at DragonCon, and it was um they took South Park style animation and character bodies and everything, and did the Babylon Five uh, cast that way, and changed their names a little bit. And I had a T-shirt that said Babylon Park, and like Chef was JMS, kind of in the background, and then like Cartman was Londo, <laughs> and you know, and then like Kenny was Kosh, and so Darth Kashi was the evil Kosh that came out and like killed people and stuff, and so. Uh, I was a big fan of Darth Kashi, and that's even my name on eBay from way back in the '90s. So there. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Two things. Two things. Now that now that you mention that, uh-huh. 
the interview that that I was reading about JMS, where he said what I what I just uh, revealed, he called him Darth Kosh. I thought oh. uh, I thought that was not Darth Koshy, but he called him Darth Kosh. Maybe that's where. Secondly, they got it that could be. How funny is it that that South Park has been around so freaking long that they did a parody of the original Babylon Five, and they might be able to do a parody of the new <laughs> Babylon Five. Wow, that's nuts. Wow. Yeah, I think instead of Kenny, he was Kashi, so he was Darth Kashi. Right. That would kind of make sense. That gotcha. tracks, yeah. Okay. Um, somewhere back here, I have my somebody, when I was dressed in my Sheridan costume back in 98 or 99, or whenever it was, somebody gave me a Sheridan Babylon Park pin that I had on the uniform. It had him as like... Oh, little, very cool. The little South Park Sheridan. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Um I wanted to make a note here that this is where Lita first gets kind of drafted into the Shadow War. And I won't say anything beyond this. I'll save it for the spoiler section. But it just struck me really hard this time because in the past, I thought, oh, there's Lita. She's back. Of course, she's going to help out. La, la, la. But there are consequences. And again, no spoilers, but we'll talk about it in the spoiler space. But there are consequences for her just saying, sure, I'll help you out. What the heck? You know, it's like when Sheridan asked her, could you do me a favor? And she's kind of like, I guess so, you know, maybe. And I'm just thinking, man, you have taken us down a, you've taken a step down a slippery slope here. Yeah. And there's more, there's more we can say in a bit. All right. Unanswered questions. Here we go. You ready? I am. I what love was these. what was the message the Vorlon ship showed to Sheridan at the beginning? I can answer that. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, it was the name of the uh, again, same as last time. It was the name of the uh, the special effects director. Oh, yes. Okay. I don't know what it was supposed to be in 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 canon, but that's what it actually was. I, I made a note somewhere. <laughs> I made a note, and I don't know where it is now, but my note was when that when when the new Kosh's ship, when Olkesh's ship comes up and sees Sheridan out there and goes up and like hovers next to him, I yep. was like, "Playa, Noah, Playa, game, respect, game." <laughs> that was but what went through my mind because it was the same thing as what happened the first time. Who was there both times when that happened? Sheridan. The first- yeah. Okay. On Kasha's ship, when Kasha's ship made that that funky thing yeah. on the side, inside it was the Sheridan docking. who saw that inside the docking right. bay, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So when this one showed up, it said the same thing to him. Okay. I my read on that whole scene was either Olkesh or the ship or both sensed something. Right. Recognized him. Playa recognized Playa. Yeah. Okay. Um, where did the pattern in Kasha's quarters comes from, come from and what does it mean? Well, obviously what it means is this dude and his shadow buddies killed me, man, because only Ulkesh could see it, right? Right. It looked like a cave drawing or something, didn't it? It was weird. Right. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was kind of cool. It was. Um, do the shadows know that apparently a piece of Kosh survived? Hmm. Good question. Unanswered question. Um, Why does the new Vorlon insist on being called Kosh in public and in private? What does he mean by we are all Kosh? I'm not going to do the whole thing again. So maybe we'll get answers to that later. Maybe we won't. Um, In All Alone in the Night, Kosh tells Sheridan, and again, I'm not going to do it. 
there's a lot of quote, there's a lot of Kosh quotes tonight, so I'm just I don't want to wear the button out. He says I have, which always. is weird because there, yeah, there haven't been a lot of Kosh quotes the entire season. So all right, dang it. <laughs> I have always been here. Okay, so. Could he perhaps have been referring to Sheridan's mind, implying that Sheridan carried a piece of kosh for quite some time? I don't know. I don't know these things. I just asked the questions. Has Sheridan decided to reveal that the white stars can generate their own jump points? Because they were kind of keeping that secret. Um, If Franklin is a foundationist, does he also believe in psychohistory? Ooh. Uh, we, we reviewed Foundation back about six months ago, if you want to scroll back. If you're a new listener, we did it. If you're a, I mentioned this earlier, but if you're a new listener, uh, Andy and I, or John and I, or Andy and John and I, or whoever, we do occasional special episodes where we review something that we think Babylon 5 fans would like, and we did review Foundation. All right. Um, why don't the Minbari telepaths need line of sight on the enemy like Lita does? Because they have those cool beds. That's got to be it. Little triangular pillows. Um, you know, I will say, I will say that the the actors for the Minbari telepaths did an excellent job with their they do facial expression. Poor Lita, she struggles with that. But uh, um, the, the, yeah. those Minbari, I, I thought that was pretty cool. That was they, they were very understated and subtle, yet still effective. I think it's worth noting, and I mean this in only the most positive ways. I don't mean it as in any kind of a criticism. Patricia Tallman was known for doing stunts. She's known for physical stuff, right? Not really right. for being an actress. And so when JMS writes all kind of complicated stuff for her to do, she's really busting her butt to do a good performance. And I respect that. But don't expect, you yep. know, don't expect Meryl Streep or the Meryl Streep of Yugoslavia because that's not her strength. That's not what she ever was, you know, came up through the ranks doing. And she's kicking her kicking butt, but you gotta gotta bear in mind she's a stunt woman that's kinda gotten shanghaied into a dramatic action <laughs> dramatic, you know, right. acting role. No, so it, she did a good job. It was just Yes. It, it, it's hard it's hard to do that, to to yeah. do the the psychic I'm reading your mind type of right. stuff. You know, and show that. So, yeah, she, I think she gets better and better. Less hard, she tries. She gets more time too. So, yeah. Uh, yeah okay, so that's all. That's all the questions. I did note this is the first episode where I really noticed that Sheridan's getting big hair. It, it feels like over the next yeah. several months, his hair just gets bigger and bigger, and he gets the he gets the Sheridan mullet yeah. and everything. You know, a lot of yeah. hairspray. Yeah, he yeah he's got some. Uh, instead of late nineties, he's got early eighties hair. So. Yeah, but you know what? I I kind of also have one, so I I, I, well, I can't met, complain too much. We lost you a little bit there. What did you say? I said I kind of got that going myself there. The the <laughs> the, the the early eighties here. So. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you and you and smiling Johnny, smiling Andy. Um, <laughs> let's see. All right, so it's called walkabout in Aboriginal Australian cultures, mate. It's a ritual in which a young man goes on a solitary journey through the wilderness to learn more about his own character and strength. Uh, not necessarily to go look for himself, but that's what Franklin's doing with it. Uh, yeah, JMS wrote yep. both songs in this episode. Oh, originally at the end of the teaser, or the opening part, when the ship comes up and sees Sheridan there, originally Sheridan says, Welcome to Babylon 5, but they took that out. I wonder why they took that out. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. I guess to make it more mysterious. Um, 
Yeah, game recognized game player. Uh, Lita has previously carried pieces of Kosh with her, including in passing through Gethsemane. Uh, let's see, other, other few quick factoids. At least 10 Narn ships survived battle with the Centauri. Uh, it takes a White Star 20 minutes to recharge its jump engines after they've been taken offline and energy diverted the weapon systems. That changes dramatically with the ex- with the Victory class ships later. Um, the but that's in a different show. The Vorlons. Uh, it's apparently been a very long time since a Vorlon died. Mm-hmm. And oh, and I love this. According to Jakar, every sentient race in the galaxy has a, has Swedish meatballs. I thought that was hilarious. That begs the question, Andy. Does every sentient race in the galaxy have an IKEA? <laughs> probably, probably by now, by by twenty two sixty, probably so. Maybe that's why they don't put any words in their instructions, just pictures, because it's got to be good for anybody in the galaxy. Anybody, not just in different countries, but different, yeah. I thought that one of the little Swedish guys that they had in the diagram putting together that bookcase kind of looked like a Pakmara. I was wondering where his little (laughs) tentacles were all about there. That explains it, yeah. Well, now we know. Um I ate the Swedish meatballs at IKEA in Singapore, but I have not eaten them at the IKEA in St. Louis yet. So it's really weird. I've been to the one in St. Louis a hundred times. I went to the one in a, went to the one in Singapore one time when I lived there, and 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 I had the Swedish meatballs. So there you go. And um, you know, this is not a this is not a a theory that is unique to the Babylon Five universe either. In Star Trek, um, the uh, I forget the Bajorans, I think it was probably have a have a a spicy burrito. <laughs> meal, which uh, uh, somebody mentions. Oh, this is just like this and this and this, and and they decide that it is a universal uh, dish. That the the burrito is a universal dish. It's it it comes up and it evolves on every planet everywhere. I that makes sense. Just wrap something up. Yeah. I, I would be I would be hesitant to try the Klingon burrito, but <laughs> bites you back. <laughs> right in, in Klingon Empire, burrito bite you. <laughs> um so yeah uh we mentioned this is supposed to come out before war without end and they're not ever going to change it because it didn't matter at that point uh jms decided um he was asked jms was asked point blank is this the same ambassador as kosh jms said actually no uh, it's another Vorlon with a very different personality. The we are all Kosh thing is more of a conceptual thing. This Kosh has more of an edge to him. Uh, so he was asked, will we ever find out what was written on the side of Kosh's ship? And JMS said, quote, what, do I look like someone who can speak Vorlon? Oh, sure, a few words. <laughs> Mainly, where's the bathroom and what's that smell? But to translate something like that, please. Answer, probably not. And then somebody else asked him, what did the ship say? And he said, quote, welcome to Hawaii, unquote. <laughs> he, says, <laughs> he says, there was apparently a hideous malfunction. They never talked about it thereafter. <laughs> um, he talks about writing songs. I'm not going to switch it to all that. Um, okay, so one last thing here. Uh, on differences between the two Kashas, uh, Kosh was a bit older than Olkesh. I'm just going to call him Olkesh to keep from confusing. Um, John Vulich of Optic Nerve developed the look of Ulkesh based on JMS's suggestions. And they JMS went in and redesigned the headpiece a little bit and recommended the colors. Kind of reddish purple violet, wasn't he? That was my impression. Yeah, it was the color of a bruise. Yeah, boy. Um, the look is intentional. Um, it's very effective in some lights, less so in others, but the sense comes across. 
And somebody said, is the new Kosh really Ulkesh from the novel To Dream in the City of Sorrows, which we're going to be getting to eventually. And JMS says, the new Vorlon was Ulkesh, yes. The Kosh thing was meant in a Vorlon philosophical sense. They ain't wired up like the rest of us. (laughs) So he is Ulkesh. Now we know we can call him Ulkesh and not be incorrect. All right. Shall we get into our categories? Absolutely. All right, let's see. What was the high point of the episode? Uh, the high point for me was the whole uh, the battle with the uh, shadow shifts. I thought that was really cool, and it was cool to see the uh, the shadows, you know, get beat, you know, in a legit one on one firefight. And it was cool to see, you know, the uh, the Narn ship come in and to the rescue, and then the uh, the non aligned worlds. The, the League of Non-Aligned World Ships come to the rescue, too. I like how the, the shadows are like, the shadows are like, oh, a white star. I'll fight that. Oh, look, yeah. a Narn ship. Those are big and bad, too. I'll fight that. Uh-oh, it's the Brakiri. I better get out of here. <laughs> 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 come on, man. I, think I thought it was I thought it was cool when, uh, when during the battle when the, the captain of the, the um, Minbari ship was deferential to John Sheridan. I thought that was that was kind of cool. I mean, he was like, "Yes, sir." And do you need our help? And I'll do it and all that stuff. I mean, it was it was weird and neat to see the respect that the Minbari captain, who you know just a, a, a year or two years before, you know, he was called the the you know the Star Killer or whatever whatever his name was. And Star now, Killer. Uh, yeah, now the military cast is is. Not only showing him respect, but deferring to him in battle. I thought that yes. that said a lot about about how far the characters of Sheridan has come, and how far the Mimbari have come that followed Delin and didn't right, didn't right, the, yeah, yeah, the uh, the more rational branch of the Mimbari actually. But that's now what, was that captain a, a military caste captain, or was he? Religious cast. I'm. I'm. I. When, well, when they split, did all the military cast go with with Nairun or? That's an excellent question because we don't know which Gray Council people went with Delenn. They didn't have right. labels. Right. I kind of wondered that. That's a great point. Is like because we've had at least two Minbari ships orbiting Babylon Five twenty four hours a day since Severed Dreams. Right. But yeah, which are they like? Does the does the worker cast get a get a couple of ships? I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, hey, you know, it's not like hairdressers get an aircraft carrier in the U.S. <laughs> Navy. So I don't know, man. It's a good question. I guess it'd be more like if the Catholic Church got an aircraft carrier. <laughs> well, you know, they used to have their own armies. So they did. That the Jesuit aircraft they, carrier would be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to a Jesuit school partly to Georgetown, so I know. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, that's okay. So, I while acknowledging what you said is a hundred percent right, I kind of went the other way and, t- and and I put down that the high point was when we found out that the singer is not actually a drug addict. And in in some way, I put a note here. In some ways, her situation is much worse. It turns out, but in the other, but on the other hand, at least we know her motives were good. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, that was a high point, too, but I agree there was a lot of good stuff. There really wasn't, to me, one single really, really high... I, I gotta say, the the Narn ship coming out of the jump point and spearing the Shadow ship was pretty good, though. That was pretty satisfying. That was that was really cool, yeah. I'd, I'd have been happier if uh, What's-His-Name had come from the beginning rather than, like, 
dragging it out, having to make Jakar take it over or whatever. But anyway, just another reason to snuck well, on Robin Sacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was a, a, an important J- Jakar moment too. That that's one of my yeah. other categories. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, low point. Low point for me was when uh, Franklin learns of of Caitlin's uh, diagnosis. Yeah. That was that was kind of sad because I mean you know he he, he kind of did the Franklin <laughs> thing and you know met the girl and and shacked up with her same night. But that's Franklin. You thought that's our Franklin that this, boy. That this, yeah, you know, he always, at the end of the episode, he's always ends up with a girl, but then the next episode, well, he's ending up with a different girl. He so does it, have the drugs just in, in case anything goes bad. He's got <laughs> the medications right there, right? Oh, no. Uh, well, you know, I mean, if if somebody gets injured, he's, he doesn't take him to med lab. He takes him back to his quarters. So. <laughs> Puts on the slow jazz. Right. It, he's got to have healing. all the medical equipment there. That's right. <laughs> So oh yeah, that that I thought that was pretty sad because she was a cool character. I, I liked. I, yeah. I really liked how, like you said, she, it turns out she wasn't she wasn't stealing drugs because she was a druggie. She was stealing mm-hmm. them for the pain, and yeah. she was using it properly. And she was doing that even though she could have, you know, she could have suffered less on Earth. Mm-hmm. She was doing it for the people of down below, and I thought that was super cool. And and knowing you know singers and and artists, musical artists like that. That's kind of, you know, they do it because they want to share their art. I thought that was super yeah. on point. I thought that was that was very insightful on JMS's part. It was. It was. And uh, I think it's funny that your your low point was my high point. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But in different ways. I mean, different ways. Right. Um, well, I my, felt bad for I felt bad for uh, Dr. Franklin. Yeah, I couldn't take another Steve though. I didn't need any more Steve. Right. <laughs> I was that was rubbing me wrong the wrong way the whole time, man. Like, just <laughs> yeah. please stop, please stop, please, please. Yeah. The man said his name was Stephen. Please stop. Um, my low point was that this is the f- it, it got better. Okay, it got better over the course of the episode, but but early on, I'm like, man, this is the third time Sheridan has taken a solo White Star out to fight a Shadow Ship, and I'm like, I'm kind of done with this. You know, I mean, he came up with different ways to beat him every time, but I just and that was actually pointed out in the episode. I think yeah, that was that was actually setting up this moment, though, because yeah. those two other times they did such extreme stuff to to kill those shadow ships that it made this more impactful. It because the because of that, the shadow ships seemed invulnerable, unbeatable. Mm-hmm. And for him to come up with a, a an actual, not just a one-time, holy crap, we tricked him and destroyed him type deal, but an actual weakness that they could exploit, I thought I thought it made that point more effective because he did have to resort to such extreme measures the last two times he encountered the ship. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you could use the jump gate thing again, though. You just... It's not permanent. Just send an explorer ship to build a new one. You know, it's not that big a deal. But yeah, um, do did we? I, I I don't know if my template revo- reverted. Did we change the Orenzento Area Benzane Award to something else, or is it just we haven't had? I, one lately? Well, we we kind of dropped that for the who who uh, who lost. Oh yeah, but yeah. It, it has come up every now and then. So I think it, it's one of those awards that is um, awarded as as, as needed. needed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and, gonna and go. I, 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 I'm adding it to there. I'm adding it to the template. I think it just didn't get in the template. So yeah. There. All right. So do you have either I, I'm one? I'm giving one. A, I'm giving one. A, I 
I do not have a uh, an Orenzento. I don't either. Mary Benzane Award. Not not this episode. I might have one next episode. <laughs> I think you might. Okay. So do you have a who lost? Or did we say that for later? Well, why don't we go through the? Well, oh, we, yeah, we still we, have we that. We still that have that. One. Never mind. Okay. Right. Yeah. I, I I I've got that. I'm all confused. I, I it's been, this is what happens when you're when you're on assignment for an episode, Andy. It all just goes to crap. I, I'm the one who was off for a week, and you're the one who's confused. <laughs> That's what happens, man. You can't leave me. You can't just abandon me like that for two weeks. I it so, all go, it all yeah, falls apart. Yeah. The center cannot hold. Something slouches toward Jerusalem, man. Come on. <laughs> Just for our listeners, now you know who carries the show. <laughs> I think they knew that all along, my friend. I don't think there was any doubt. Um, all right. What was your most Babylon 5 scene? Uh, most Babylon 5 moment was when uh, Jakar put the ships of the non-aligned worlds through the jump gate Yep, and, uh, and it makes it happen. And then there is another part where yes, uh, we hear the, and so it begins. We did. After that. Yes. I thought that was very Babylon 5 because that was one of the first things we hear Akash utter. Now, you are 100% correct. What was your favorite character moment? What was your most favorite? What was your most Babylon 5 moment? No, I said 100% right. I agree with you. That was it. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. My most, my favorite character moment, and and I mentioned this earlier, was uh, that discussion between Garibaldi and Jakar. Yes. I I, I thought that was super cool where, where, Garibaldi just puts Jakar in his place, and and you can <laughs> just see the, the character development right there. I mean, it, it was really cool to see, and it was well acted. I am continually continually impressed with with Jerry Doyle's acting for a dude that was yes. a, a financial advisor before the the show started. He when he comes with the character moments, he really brings it. He did a, a bang up job again with this one, and, and to hold your own, you know, in a scene with Andreas Casaltis. Yeah, uh, it's pretty impressive. So, uh, yeah, that that was a really cool scene for both characters. There's another. There's a scene where he's against another actor that was very impressive, and I can't. Was it? Is it? Uh, I don't remember if it was in this episode or not. But I just remember thinking the exact same thing that you just said, which is, you know, here you've got somebody that that shouldn't even really be an actor going with going up against somebody who's like really impressive and. And Garibaldi is kicking butt. You know he's impressing. So I, I, I think what you're thinking of is that episode that he, I think he did a scene with uh, Richard Mall. <laughs> God, stop it! <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that was not it. Um, I don't know now where it was. It, it I mean, maybe it was Andre Andreas, but uh, yeah, it might have been Andreas. Well, anyway, the two of them were always good together. That's one thing I do yeah. appreciate about this show is that the the different characters and the different actors have different chemistry with each other and some of them are really really good together and some of them are not as much. Yep. And JMS was really good at find at pairing them up in different combinations and finding what worked. So obviously yeah, Londo and, then and Jakar and then yeah and so obviously Londo and Jakar but Garibaldi did really well with Londo and Garibaldi does really well with Jakar. He has a good, you know, he yep. has good chemistry with both of them for example. And so yeah. Yep. Yep. Um I thought he had I thought he had great chemistry with uh, um um uh oh, Sinclair too. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you're correct again. Uh funniest moment. For me it was uh when he was talking to Lon, and he said, "It's like when I 
when I promised you that assassins wouldn't kill you in the middle of the Narn assassins wouldn't be waiting outside your door to kill you every night. But Mr. Garrett, yeah, you'll you'll do the voice better than I do, but I'm going to try to do my Van impersonation of, of Londo. <laughs> Mr. Garibaldi, you never promised me that. That's right, I didn't. Sleep tight. <laughs> actually, I think your, uh, your Londo actually sounded more like Bester, but that's good. I like that. I like that. <laughs> that's good. That's a good walk of time. But no, now you're again. This is this is like what three in a row now for us. That yeah, that we we agree. This is yeah, exactly. I, maybe get a your record. own material, Mister. I, what can I do? You're you're nailing it. You're, you're you're hitting home runs. So let's see then. Who won this episode? Uh, I think Sheridan was the clear winner here because yeah. not only did he show he he took a big risk. I mean, during that that war council discussion, they were like, you know, what if it doesn't work? He's like, uh, well, we got to try it. Yeah. So he took a really big risk on this, and and it worked for him. And, and he got not only the Narn to help, but also the the League of Non-Aligned Worlds to help. So he kind of pulled everybody together. This is mm-hmm. the big alliance now that carries you know forward with the war against the shadows. So this is the first moment that we've seen this alliance fight the shadows, and it, as it was stated, and so it begins. So that that was a huge moment for the character. I thought I thought that was a neat win. He's in the situation where he has to keep presenting the impression that the Army of Light can competently compete with the Shadows. And clearly they can't really straight up, but he has to keep making it seem like they have a chance or his coalition will fall apart, you know. And so he, he, he is totally the George Washington of, of <laughs> the, the galaxy. Well, and I was going to say too, Flash Gordon. He has to bring all the different <laughs> kingdoms, you know, together right? against the shadows who are basically Ming the Merciless. So right. yeah, that's the that's I what I always refer to as the Flash Gordon trope. Is the is the our protagonist has to go out and through charisma and competence get the people that don't like each other but are on the good side to team up against the bad guy that's been dividing and conquering. That's the Flash Gordon trope and it's right. a very good one. It's a very effective one. So And and here I was trying to appeal to the history teacher in you with my George Washington <laughs> reference. I got that too, but I'm I'm also a science fiction writer as you as you know. So <laughs> Uh, all right, so yeah, you are correct. I had shared, and also the Army of Light, just because they needed a win. They need to keep. They don't so much need to win the war as just not look like they're losing it, you know. And to sort right, of hemorrhage yeah. support. So I got the Army of Light too. So who lost then? I, I before we go on to the next category, since you brought it up, you are a science fiction writer. I am loving Vladis V. You, you kind of had a little glitch there. You said you're loving what? Valadius V. Validus V. Your your new Validus V. Validus V. That's it. Validus V. Your new what is what is Validus V? Andy, tell tell the folks what Validus V. Validus V. As as Van mentioned, he is a science fiction writer. This is completely organic, by the way. This is not something that Van set me up for. Validus V. is is Van's newest science fiction book, and it is a uh, it is a pulpy action adventure. Giant robots smashing giant monsters, smashing giant robots, and it's it's so much fun. I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. it. It's like a love letter to the Shogun Warriors of the late '70s. It's it's fantastic. 
that I can't, <laughs> I can't tell you how happy it makes me to hear that because, you know, you put something together that you feel like is good and you feel like is fun and you kind of let it loose on the world and you just hope that people feel about it the way that you do, you know? And I was very happy with that book. Yep. So very happy yeah, with it. So I'm glad fun. to hear that. How far along? I, I, I am like 67% according to my, my Kindle last time I okay. looked. So. Right. It's uh, it's it's getting it's getting pretty groovy, and and I'm I'm hoping that you you revisit this 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 universe, or possibly even open it up to other writers. Ooh, I had not considered that. I have an idea for a sequel of sorts. I just want to finish the big military science fiction re- rewrite that I'm doing now, and then I'll 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 work on that maybe around Christmas probably. Because in the beginning of 2023, I'm scheduled to work with Alan J. Porter on the third heist novel, the Harper and Salsa. But um, I do have an idea. I do have an idea where if this one is kind of like Shogun Warriors, my idea is a little more Godzilla comic, like Marvel's Godzilla. So we'll see. But uh-huh. um, I'm glad to hear you say that. If, if folks, by the way, if you're interested, um, just go to... Uh, www.whiterocketbooks.com or just go to Amazon and look for um, look under me Plexico Van Plexico and you'll see it it's in it's in paperback it's on Kindle and there is even a hardcover edition on Lulu the link is at at uh, www.whiterocketbooks.com okay uh, what did you rate on a scale of five one of a scale of zero to five with half ratings? Well, what did you rate this episode? Let, let's go through who, the who lost real quick because I, oh, I interrupted you before we finished that. We did. I'm sorry. I yeah, said well, Fra- I said I said that Franklin lost because it looked like he was on the right track of yeah, finding you know yeah. finding some sort of resolution to his his personal issues and then she goes and turns out she's going to die. So it, it kind of a little bit of a setback. So I, yeah. I, I thought that he lost this one. Yeah. She didn't do great either, but no, she didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but she, I mean, she, she knew, I mean, I, I if you're going to go out, that's a, that's kind of a cool way to go out. I guess I had a couple of shadow ships lost, but also, yes, uh, they did. <laughs> yeah, they did big time. But also I feel like Lita in a way because she's being used. And I just, I really don't like the direction that they're going to go with, that they're going with Lita where, they just kind of take her for granted. Here, come help us. You, you have now been drafted into the Army of Light as a weapon. Right, is basically it. Right, they are using her. I agree. <clears throat> yep. All right. So, what did you give this one? I gave this one a two point five. Um, it, it it wasn't spectacular. Uh, had some cool moments in it, and it was a Franklin episode. But the Franklin story, the Franklin plot, wasn't really even a Franklin plot. It was more of a Kalen plot. So, mm-hmm. um. It was a it was a decent episode. Two point five is right in the middle. I I, I think if I would have given it a three, a bunch of people would have jumped on me and beat me up for giving it the same the same rating as the War Without End. Oh so. my gosh! Oh no! <laughs> so a two point five is what it got for me. I I I enjoyed it. It was it was it was it was nice. It was pleasant. Uh, yeah, I will just remind folks that two episodes ago, Andy <laughs> shared with us all. That he gave War Without End a three out of five, to which I replied, You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. And then, yeah. <sighs> it all went from there. Um, in, in, in my defense, I, I almost gave it a 3.5. Is, is that worth anything? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, okay. <laughs> the show went like this when you said that. 
Yeah, it, it, it really did. Um, so I gave it a 2.5 as well. We really saw eye to eye on this episode for sure. We did, yeah. We were, we were in, in, in lockstep in for almost everything. All right, so that was Walkabout. If you've made it this far, bless you, because um, we're going to get through <laughs> Gray 17 is missing. But let me just very quickly thank our patrons. I'll just remind you very quickly, www.b5review.com. Here are the patrons that we have to thank, and we would not be on the air without them. They include... <clears throat> Allison Rich, Colonel Dad, EJ Alexander, Leah G, Lisa Alexander, Psy Rating P30, yikes, uh, Dragon Condolin, Emmanuel Seaman, Mond06, Michael O'Connor, Stu Parker, Comrade Sheridan, aka Blabalong Guy, Heather and Yancey Steingraber, I Scream Clone with a Boba Fett head, and Michael Halbrook. And did you notice, Andy, that list is getting a little longer? It is. That's awesome. It's awesome. It is so, so great. So www.b5review.com. Click on the button, become a patron. We'll call out your name there every episode, and we will thank you, and you get special bonuses like the video of Andy playing me at Babylon 5 Cards and early releases a few days of every episode and bonuses. Okay. Um, I also did, by the way, post on the... um, on the Patreon page a couple of weeks ago, I posted a link that patrons could, or noticed that patrons could, uh, um, they could order at a, at a drastic discount the hardcover copy of Validus V, and I did have one to do that, so that's cool. Um, all right, we had a few comments from our patrons. Colonel Dad says, thanks, Van. This was a fun hour to rehash the two really great episodes. Talking about the my solo episode. Just out of curiosity, where did your theme music come from? It reminds me of the theme music from the show, but it's still different. Looking forward to next time. Um, and I, I replied on the, on the website, but I'll tell you guys, too. It is... There's a website. I don't think it's there anymore. I think it went out of business, but they would actually offer... Uh, like as a clearinghouse for independent musicians and you could kind of go through and listen to clips from like thousands of songs and you could either like pay a little bit and get a get a temporary license or you could just outright buy the song and yep. I kept listening and kept listening and when I heard the song that's the theme music of our show I said this is perfect and so I yep. bought it so we own this we own this that music because it just sounds like Babylon that's- 5 doesn't it it does absolutely. Yeah, I thought I, uh, I visited that. I visited that same site a few years ago when uh, a buddy of mine and I were doing a um, pulp podcast. We found the perfect pulp music mm-hmm. for it. Oh yeah, I also got the music from it that I use on our uh, football show. That's really good. So and it matches it really good. So, yep. um, let's see. But I wish I'd, I don't know what it's called. If somebody if somebody out there really wants to know, contact me and I'll see if I can find out the answer. I'm not going to go searching if nobody cares. Uh, Colonel Dad said the great machine is there for every time JMS needed a Deus ex machina. I can't argue with that. I mean, that's literally what it is. Yeah, yeah. it's the it's the Minbari in the machine. But yeah, okay. All right. Uh, he's Colonel Dad but, but also. He, he is religious, cast Minbari. So that is true. That's true. That is true. That's good. <laughs> Colonel Dad also said in the episode in the shadow of Zaha Doom in the second season where Morden shows up and gets thrown in the clink by Sheridan, there's this screeching communications between the unseen shadows and Morden while he's sitting there. I think those are his keepers who direct him on what to do and also keep an eye on him, my two cents. Okay. Uh, we That's this debate of does Morden have a keeper or not. And I, I lean toward no. I think he's just evil for his own sake. But uh, but there's a right. book that addresses this too, right? That we're going to get to. I think that one could of the, be. I think one of the books is about is about Morden. Uh, I don't think he had. I don't think he had the keeper on his attached to his neck like Londo did. 
I think he had the the actual shadows right there with him that were keeping yeah Morden making sure he stays in line. Yeah, yeah, yeah I exactly. Agree. I agree too. I don't think he had the little keeper things. Uh, Mond O six says I always assumed that the Triluminary used Sinclair's DNA to transform Delin, and it used Delin's DNA to transform Sinclair. That's how they are related to each other. It's also why the Triluminary reacts to them; it knows them. I like that explanation just as much as any I've heard. I have no problems with it. Yep. I like the idea that it's a circle. If there's one right. thing we know about the Triluminary, it's shaped like a triangle, but it's actually a circle. Uh, right. <laughs> there you go. Um, Ice Cream Clone says, It was great to work through all the extras from War Without End. I appreciate it. I always thought Morden was slimy enough to just volunteer, no keeper required. Exactly. That's kind of my thinking, too. Yep. And then Allison says, Great episode. The books don't address if Morden had a keeper. His backstory is very interesting in book seven. So there we go. Uh, he did. I don't think I have a copy of that though. It's like the one thing I don't actually own that that we'll be looking at. So, uh, but by the way, Andy, I don't know if you caught this, but I did order copies of the new Crusade Encyclopedia and the two Crusade books. So we'll have even more good stuff coming up in the future. Um, cool. But Allison goes on. Morden didn't start out a slime. He was a xenolinguist. I really enjoyed this one. I'd love to do this again with some of the more important episodes. Yeah, maybe um, when we get to like the last couple of episodes and then there's certainly a couple in season four, several, maybe you and I would want to go back through and dig through some notes so that we're not doing three-hour episodes because those are going to be big, you know. So we'll keep right. that in Yeah, mind. no, I'm, I'm totally down with that. Yeah. All right. On to 319, Gray 17 is missing. This originally aired September 10th, 96 in the UK and October 7th in the US. Uh, JMS, of course, wrote it, directed by John Flynn III. And I, he was like the cinematographer or whatever, wasn't he? Didn't he like, I was thinking he had another role on the show. He wasn't just one of the directors. Yes, he, yeah, he was the cinematographer. In fact, during the fight scene between Nehrun and Marcus, he was the cameraman. Oh, wow. He had the yeah. camera, and and there was a couple a couple shots where Marcus was actually coming at the camera, and and uh, and uh, the director got hit quite a few times. <laughs> he said, I bet. He said that Marcus whacked him in the in the shins and in the the side and stuff like that. But he was he was getting right in in, in his face. So yeah, he was he was I the can, cameraman. He wanted to get that shot personally, and he did a great I, job. Too. <laughs> I can just imagine Marcus uh, Jason going, "Oh, sorry." Hope I didn't hurt you too badly, and then doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, he said that he he loves fight scenes, and he was he was getting a little cranky because they kept uh, subbing in the the stuntman for it because of for insurance purposes. He says, you know, in England, when we do a fight scene on stage, we do the fight scene. We don't have stunt doubles. So he goes, I was getting a little frustrated because I wanted to mix it up. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Yeah. Um, let's see. So here's your summary. Delenn agrees to lead the Rangers, but Marcus must protect her from a deadly threat. That would be Nerun, of course. Mm-hmm. Garibaldi investigates a secret level of the station, and I would describe this as one of those things that sounds like an absolutely brilliant idea, and then you see it play out on the show, and you're like, eh, it's all right. <laughs> it's not as good as I did. It wasn't even all right. <laughs> yeah. It could have been. It could have been. If I think if it had been a first season episode, we would have liked it more because it would have fit in, you know, with the first season. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Notable guest stars: Robert England as Jeremiah, and of course that would be uh, Freddie, right, from Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, that would be true. And Robert England is the second 
person to wear the Freddy uh, makeup to appear on Babylon 5. Oh, who was that one? That would be David Warner. David Warner was the original actor cast as Freddy Krueger. Get they out. were delayed. They were delayed. And there is they they there is, he he had the makeup test done and the costume. I mean, he had everything ready to go, and then there were delays in the shooting of the movie, and he could not keep on the role because hmm. he had another movie coming up. So then they had to recast Freddy Krueger. Oh, but David Warner was the original I Freddy Krueger, and I've think- seen pictures of him in makeup too. I don't think I want my David Warner to be Freddy Krueger. That that makes me sad. I don't want him the, to be the, that. The director said that he was so upset that David Warner had to leave because he was perfect for the role. How about that? Have we done yeah. a show since since David Warner passed away? I don't think we have. Yeah, I love David Warner so much. All the way from yeah. all the way from stuff he did back in the '60s and '70s, all the way through like um, time after time. Uh, the, where oh, he played yeah. Jack the Ripper. Uh, he was in some yeah. Star Trek stuff, of course. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. And in later years... He was, he, in, he was the, the captain in the, uh, the uh, Star Hornblower Trek series. And in the Hornblower, yeah. yeah. And then in later years, he was, uh, he was uh, Kenneth Branagh's father in the Wallander mysteries on, on uh, PBS, oh. BBC, which I love. I love Wallander. I've read a lot of the books, and I like the show a lot. So, um, yeah, he played the sort of mentally ill... You know, kind of Alzheimer's father that was right. kind of warning Wallander of where he might be going. It was really harrowing. Uh, John Vickery, of course, is Neroon. We always like to see Neroon show up and and be grouchy and mean. And then Time Winters returns as Rathin, the uh, the Minbari, um, like kind of like an assistant in the Rangers or whatever. The one that was with Sinclair a couple of episodes ago. Right now, on that is very he meaty, or- on that he, he was on that very mediocre two parter. <laughs> it was above average. <laughs> is is he worker cast because he's like an administrator, or is he is he religious cast because he's more of a he's bureaucrat class? So that would make him a worker, I guess. I guess. Interesting. The mediocre, please. You know what, Andy? Your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your. <laughs> It cut off. I, don't know I will never ever live. This is going to be on my tombstone. He rated War Without End <laughs> just three stars. This is true. <laughs> All right, we got some unanswered questions. Though there's not as much for this one, I don't think. I was, um, you know, I was officially uninvited from Dragon Con because of that review. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're not. That isn't. That isn't a breaking news thing. We need to break is that we were not able to do the Babylon Five panel that I really wanted us to do this time. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna push again for next year, and we're gonna get you down there before it's over with. I guarantee it. I'm gonna find a way. Find I'll, a way. I'll I'll be down there next year, one way or the other. Even if we don't do the panel, because that Dragon Con is on my bucket list, and I should have I should have a, a at least one book to sell there. So. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. Yeah. Um. All right, unanswered questions. Is Neroon right in suggesting Delin is taking over control of Minbar? Hmm, tune in and find out, I guess. Um, who or what was responsible for an entire level of gray sector being lost from the view of the residents? I'm going to answer this one and say it was JMS's cold medicine. <laughs> the infamous NyQuil that makes him write weird stuff. Yeah. Huh? Oh, I did like the idea, though, in concept of having a section that... It- they skip in concept. It was interesting in execution. Yeah. It, 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 
They just didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get into it. What will happen to Gray Seventeen and the people there? Uh, let's see. Delin's mother. Four of them. Yeah, really. Delin's mother joined the sisters of Valeria. Valeria is also the being that Min, that the Minbari who were present at Kasha's appearance in the garden in the fall of night claim to have seen. Is this just a coincidence, or is there a deeper relationship? Ah. Uh, I just remember Droshala, who lights the world. That was the that was the Drazi <laughs> version. Um, so Delin's father died ten years ago because he was heartbroken about the Earthman Bari War. Uh, Franklin's backup file on the Underground Railroad is codenamed Harriet, probably after Harriet Tubman. Yep. Um, okay, JMS says the Jeremiah thread was one of those things that looks great on paper, but when you get it into a camera, I don't know. It's one of those weirdnesses that happens in television. Sometimes you've got what you think is an average script that it just roars to life on camera, and something that looks great on paper, but in real life, eh. I'm happy with all the other stuff in the episode, but the Jeremiah thread didn't come off as it should have. I think it's part. It's my. It's. I think in part it's also my fault in that my brain was gearing up for the stuff that begins ramping up next episode, and Gray 17 was something I'd wanted to do for a long time, and there wasn't going to be a chance to do it down the road, if at all, after this season, so I went for it. Now, I would just insert here, you probably could have done it in season five. Yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't He didn't know what was going to happen. Right, season, he didn't know exactly five, at that yeah. point. As for the Zarg, JMS says, that's also one of those things that didn't come off visually as I'd wanted. I hope not. I'd hate to think that's what he wanted it to be. So overall, I'd agree, of all the season three episodes, this one is probably the least effective of them all. But once in a season, but one in a season, that ain't too bad. And he says, he says, where it falls down for me is the Zarg. I just have this constant desire to go to everyone's house and personally apologize. <laughs> I think that's a good start. That's a good start. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, How long has Zarg been laying down there? Since the construction of the <laughs> station? I mean, what have they been feeding this Zarg? Do they just feed them people from down below? Or smelly Zarg, smelly Zarg. What have they been feeding you? <laughs> smelly Zarg. <laughs> it's not. And how fault. did he get there? How do he you was, accidentally import a Zarg? Was he hanging out with Jinxo all this time? You know what? Maybe Zathras brought him. Ah, I could see that. <laughs> or maybe Nagrath had him as like a enforcer and he got loose when Nagrath was booted there off the station. Ooh, ooh, There's all there kinds of go. possibilities maybe. here. Yeah. Andy, I can't tell you how much I want Nagrath to be in the new Babylon 5. Dude, I am totally down with that. He, I loved him when he was on originally, and I think he's a fun character. And I was so sad that he got kind of written off. We've we've discussed the the gang war concept, didn't we, here on the show? Yeah, more or less, I think so. Yeah. Um. All right. So, did you have any notes or comments before we get into the high point? I did not. I can't believe. Except to, to <laughs> except to mention that my 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 wife chose this very episode to to watch sit down and watch the entire episode with me, and uh, she actually didn't she didn't hate it. She hated she hated the the Zarg plotline, but the other the other stuff she thought was really cool. Yeah, which well, and is. I and I agree with her. The other stuff was really cool. I don't disagree. So, all right, what was your high point? 
High point for me was Nerun. He's, I yeah. mean, it's always cool to, to see him on there, and I thought he had a, a, a cool little arc in this particular episode. Um, it, it, it was, he was still Nerun. He was still a jerk, but he'd show that he was, you know, he was at least, uh, a, a, I, I, it's hard to, to, to put my finger on Nerun, whether he's just a rotten Minbari mm-hmm. or if he's just a very loyal Minbari to the system and does what he does because he thinks he's i mean every good villain thinks he's the hero so right, right. um it's it it he's a very interesting character it, it he's the type of character that you you, you want to dislike because he's a jerk and he does some really nasty stuff uh but also you kind of have to wonder huh, maybe he's not 100 percent wrong yeah um i was just thinking i have a corollary on that the old saying is every villain every Every good villain is the hero of his own story, and Van's corollary on that is, but not every story is a good story. Right. <laughs> not every villain is a good villain. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, I had it particularly that when Nerun laughs after Marcus says, the next time you need a revelation, could we make it less uncomfortable or whatever, and Nerun laughs about that. And I think it's that he's honorable and he respects Marcus, and I'll right. say again, with no spoilers, we learn more about Nerun later that kind of explains some of his behavior. This is true. And the you know a, a funny little tidbit is that laugh was a genuine laugh from the actor because Marcus was telling him a joke while they were filming the scene with with uh, Delenn and Sheridan, or was it Delenn and Lanier? I forget who overheard the laugh. While they were filming that scene, Marcus and Nerun were off to the side. And uh, Marcus was telling him a joke, and he actually busted out laughing. And uh, JMS thought it worked so well, he wanted to keep it in. <laughs> well, it did work. So that yeah, was an totally. that, that was an outtake that they actually kept in the in the in the scene. That I was that it. was his the actor's actual laughter. No, I bought it. All right. So, what was your low point? <laughs> I think we all know. The, the B plot? No, I think yeah. that you know I had. <laughs> I take notes while I'm watching this, and as something comes up, I'll I'll write it down, and then if something else comes up for that category, I'll scratch it out and, and go with the, the second one. I have three different things crossed out before. <laughs> but the Zarg, the Zarg was the ultimate worst part of this episode. I mean, he was. I, I yeah, it, it, he it was just ridiculous. It was in, in, it was so bad. In fact, let's go ahead since we obviously agree on that. We can also go ahead and give him the Orincento Ari Benze Award for overacting. I, you know, I, I gave I gave that to uh, Robert England. Oh right, that's that's true. There was yeah. competition in the category this episode. There was that's right. Rare. Very rarely do we have competition for this award, but rare Robert England. I mean, yeah. Yeah, when, when, we'll, we'll go ahead and cover this this category right now. Robert England earned that award very well. Yeah, I mean, you're starting right. out with the whole starting out with the whole uh, Freddy Krueger hand flexing, and oh, it, it might have worked. The lines that JMS wrote might have actually worked a little bit better with a different actor giving a a, a less jokey and a less crazy delivery. Because Robert England made that guy come across as as just a loon, um, and never and, and really think, dangerous, never really a threat. Right, right. 
And I don't I don't think JMS necessarily wrote him the way that that mm. England portrayed the character. No, I think you're right. That's a good point. I have I have slighted the Zarg, and I apologize to the Zarg on behalf of uh, <laughs> of, of, uh, of this program because he did not get two awards. He only got one. And uh, Freddy Krueger gets the other one. All right, what was your most Babylon 5 scene? Uh, the most Babylon 5 scene was when Delenn officially becomes Ranger 1. I thought that was pretty cool, Man. especially the part where Nehrun comes in and yes. says, they will not die for me, but they will die for you. That's why you should be their leader. And they foreshadowed that by having Marcus use that, we, die, we live for the one, we die for the one, before that. Right, yeah. exactly. That's really yep. true. We're, we continue our streak, Andy. I agree with you again. We're we're just like in, we are simpatico this episode. Yeah. Um, which takes me to favorite character moment. I thought it was when uh, Delenn was talking about her childhood and about her parents. I oh, thought that was okay. a really neat insight to the character of Delenn. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, I have when Marcus said, "We live for the one, we die for the one," because. Yeah. Um, I actually used to have a, a parchment that had that printed on it in Japanese vertically. Um, my girlfriend at the time, back in the 90s when we were watching this, uh, went to a calligraphy class and learned how to write Japanese calligraphy. And so she wrote, we are, we live for the one, we die for the one. And I had that on my wall for a while. It's pretty cool. I don't know whatever happened to That's it. Cool. I wish I still had it. Um, Boy, I hope she doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> yeah, I doubt that. Uh, <laughs> And I mentioned already why Franklin kind of kind of is in a totally different condition in this episode. It's because really there should have been two episodes in between and some time would have passed. Right. So it would have made more sense. Right. I mean, he says it came on suddenly. It's a delayed reaction all that. But even so, it was kind of weird that he goes from, you know, hey, baby, to leave me alone. <laughs> so, all right. What was the funniest moment? I think I suspect what it might be. Uh, really, the only funny moment was right there at the end when, when Marcus... Is, is talking to Nehrun, um after Nehrun beats the snot out of him. He says, the next the next time you want a revelation, could you possibly find a way that isn't quite so uncomfortable? Yeah, yeah, he that, says this from his hospital bed. That I'm, I quoted that at my high point of the episode, yes. Um, but you've forgotten one. You have forgotten Uh-oh. something. Uh-oh, hold on, hold on. You have forgotten something. And that is... Zach and the fake telepath. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the funniest that, moment. That was actually pretty darn funny. I, yeah. I got a kick out of that. My wife recognized that actor. Oh, really? The fake telepath actor. I think he was some sort of comedian or something like that. Because she said, oh, that's what's his name? I'm like, who? Yeah, his, he's not listed in the major credits, so I didn't get his name. Yeah. But, huh. I bet it was in the post in the in the end of the episode credits when they go by real fast, um, I, I did I didn't care enough to look up his name. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> Who won this episode? Hmm. I said Delenn won this episode because yeah. she uh, became uh, uh, well. How, how did how do they say it in in Minbari? Zental Na or <laughs> what? Well, I don't hold speak on. Minbari. All right. She she became Unleshat Na, which is Ranger One. I'm right. not sure if she became Intel Za yet because Intel Za, this is something I've debated with other Babylon 5 fans for years, and we've never got a firm ruling on this. Maybe I have to tweet JMS about it, or maybe one of our listeners or patrons can, can weigh in. I'm sure everybody's got a different, different uh, uh, perspective on it. But my understanding is that Ranger 1, just like whoever happens to be leading the Rangers that week, right, is, is on the shock. Nah, because the Rangers are on the shock. 
and Na mm-hmm. is like one, so Ranger One. But the one, like special, the one is Intil Za. So Valen right. was Intil Za Valen, and um, I'm not sure if Delin is Intil Za now or will become it. I'm not sure. Well, and Marcus says, you know, we we'll, we we live for the one, we die for the one. I, I didn't think that that was necessarily just Ranger One they said that about. I thought that was Intel Zah that they said that about. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's two separate things. Okay. But I think anyway, not let me put it this way: not every Anlashak Na is Intel Zah, but every Intel Zah is an Anlashak Na. Does that? Gotcha. There yeah, you I go. Yeah, that makes that sense. Makes, okay. One is a subset of the other. Yes, I think. Um, so. But but for her to, as a religious cast, to take over a military organization was yes. was a huge step for her character. I thought that was that was pretty cool. So I think she won that one. And bearing in mind, her her predecessor was a human who ran a yeah. Minbari military organization. Right. So no wonder Nerun is all peeved. Um, I had uh, Marcus and Delin, although to be fair, Marcus got his butt beat so bad that maybe he wasn't as big of a winner as I might first thought. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> as he would be the first to admit. All right. Who lost this episode? I put Minbar because uh, the Warrior cast is now very, even more pissed off yeah. at the religious cast. So this, this is, I, I'm going to guess this is going to lead to some sort of a schism. At some point, because it's not looking pretty right yeah. now. Yeah, it could. It could. I had, who lost the episode? Kind of Nerun in the short term, although obviously things are kind of up in the air there. Franklin's yeah. not looking too good. I don't know about him. Yeah. But right. I think that the real loser was all of us because of the Zarg. <laughs> we all yeah, lost a that, that, is not, that is not a bad choice. <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right, what's your rating? I actually get, you know what, this one wasn't as terrible as I remembered it to be. It gets a lot of hate, and rightfully so, for the the B plot or the A plot. I mean, it's it's the title plot, that so you would call that almost the A plot. Yeah, yeah but I for think so. for that for, for that plot, uh, it 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 it, oh, it was better than I thought because the the other plot, the 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 lens arc, was really cool. This it's episode. really good and. It had Nerun in it. Nerun is yeah. worth a, a point five anytime he shows up. So it, it, I gave it a two. It wasn't as bad as, like, say, you know, some of the others that we have talked about. I, I, I won't bring up like Mutai. I don't. I, I don't. I, I worry about great inflation. I worry that we're getting into such big ones now that my scale is getting skewed. But my in, yeah. my gut reaction rating of this was two point five. I don't really? know. I don't know that the better parts this episode were any worse than anything in Walkabout. No, no, the better parts of this episode were really good. The the scene yeah. with uh, um, Delenn and Sheridan was really powerful. My yeah. my wife picked up on on that on their chemistry real quick, and she thought that was cool. So right down the middle. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. All right. So th- let's see. And I said I give JMS. I did have a note here. I gave JMS credit for trying a story like this. I like the idea in theory. It was neat seeing Garibaldi. Garibaldi trying to figure it all out by counting the seconds between floors. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it's just too bad it didn't come out any much better. Right. All right. The, the whole captain. The whole Captain Kirk moment when he you know cobbled together a gun. Oh, I mean, that was, that was it was so it was so ham fisted and yeah, just terrible. So our next installment, our next podcast, we will talk about 320, Andy, and The Rock Cried Out, No Hiding Place. One of the stranger titles yep. in the entire that, series. That, 
That is an absolute. Uh, oh, oh, see, I, I forgot his name. Who's the the author who is a, uh, a consultant for this? The old yeah, cranky Harlan old Ellison. man. Harlan that's Ellison. a Harlan Ellison. That's a Harlan Ellison title. I mean, it has to be. All yeah. all of his short stories have crazy. Yeah. You yeah, know, just I just have no crazy, mouth crazy and I must scream. Like yeah, reprint right. when said the TikTok man. Yeah, it is. Yep. It's a Harlan type title. Uh, I'm curious to see if your wife's going to watch this one with you because I think this one makes an impression one way or the other. She said she will. She is a uh, she is uh, convalescing for the next uh, six weeks, so she'll, oh, wow. she's going to be watching a lot of TV. She's trapped, yeah. trapped. Well, I tell you what. She could pick some worse shows to be trapped for than what we got. What we got coming up in three twenty, right? Three twenty one, three twenty two. I have made that promise to her. She she chose to watch um, Gray Seventeen because I I kept telling her how bad it was and how much I didn't want her to watch it. Yeah. So having having watched that, she is now excited to to see uh, the the better episodes. All right. Well, she's gonna see some better ones because boom, it's it all starts next episode. When The Rock cries out, you know, I, I went to yeah. The Rock to hide my face, but The Rock cried out, no hiding place. There's no hiding place down here. I thought The Rock cried out, do you smell what The Rock's got cooking? <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. Sorry. No, this is a different, <laughs> that's a different podcast, I'm afraid. All right. Well, I do promise that the title will make more sense if you haven't seen the episode before after you've seen the episode. And there's more JMS right. writing songs, by the way. You're not done it, with it JMS's is a, songwriting. It is a very cool title. I mean, it, it's it's odd, but it, it, it fits. Yeah, it does. All right. Well, before we go, we got to hit the warning. Jump gate activated. Because we are entering... All right, so just a few things. Um, do you have any spoiler space notes you want to air out? I, if Nehrun had taken control of the the Rangers, how how would that have affected things? Would he have? Would would the Rangers have still been a for, the force that they were? I think he'd have would pulled them that back. Have, you think so? Yeah, I think he would have okay. reeled them in, and they wouldn't have been nearly as. Uh, Involved, and who knows what would have happened with the Shadow War, right? And I mean, I don't know how far. As, as we mentioned, Nehru's not necessarily evil, and if they had brought him into right. the the War Council, would I mean, maybe they could have prevented some other things that went south on on, on Minbar. That would have been interesting. It would have been interesting to see Nehru brought into the War Council, and Sheridan and and Ivanova and everybody trying to sh- and Delenn showing him you need to understand this is going on and how he would have reacted to it. And then could he have, if they had persuaded him, and we know that he was persuadable because at the end his heart is religious, you know, would they have been able to get him mm-hmm. to, per, would he have been able to persuade his brothers and sisters back on Minbar, back on the Grey Council ship or something? I mean, it's an interesting yeah. question. I don't know. It's a good thought. It, yeah, it is an interesting what if. Um, That's I all I had. had. Yeah, I just had a note that what happens to Lita starting this episode uh, or the previous one is probably the single worst thing the Army of Light does, how they treat her. I still can't believe. Season 5 Lita, to me, is just astonishing what they do. They should give her her own everything, anything she wants, lifetime free meals in the cafeteria in the Dark Star or whatever it's called. and (laughs) She should have had... 
you know, rank in the in the in the. She should have. I mean, anything she wanted, she should have had. She earned it. And they base. I mean, it's right. just as astonishing to me. And it showed. But I mean, it, I didn't object to it though when I watched it the first few times because it's realistic of what could happen when somebody kind of falls through the cracks. You're being used, and then you don't. They're yep. not. They don't need you anymore, and you kind of get forgotten, and you kind of have to fend for yourself. Right. And there, there's there's still that that latent. Uh, prejudice against telepaths even yeah. i mean even if i mean even if they they aren't you know overt about it and and maybe they don't even realize it themselves i mean your average human still has a a, a, a bit of a distrust with the, the telepaths in general so maybe maybe that played into it i'll go ahead and assert something else here's my hot take if it had been talia that had stayed on the show and had been talia that did everything she did in the, in the shadow war they wouldn't have abandoned her Either Ivanova or or Garibaldi, somebody would have made sure that she had that right. she was taken care of. But Lita, right. nobody cared. They used her and they didn't care. And it just still makes me mad because I'm right. not even a big you know me. I'm not even a big Lita fan. I like Talia. I'm like Lita. Yeah, she's okay. But but yeah. she's just treated so badly. Um, and then, now, you know, knowing knowing what we know about where her story arc is going, it yeah. will be interesting to keep an eye on that and see if there is any yeah any hints dropped or in, any anything that we can tie to that that oh, that's yeah. something to look out for absolutely uh I, my other one was i had a note the white star has the same issue that excalibur will have just not as long it takes 20 minutes for the white star it takes 30 seconds for the excalibur to recharge its uh right. its gun or its engines or whatever and then we had two from the patrons ice cream clone says as for the attack oh we're still debating the we're still debating the uh, the Centauri Prime being on fire in like across seventeen <laughs> different years, and he said, "I think Londo says the damage from the se- season five attack would take years to extinguish the extinguish the fire, so it could still be the same bombar- bombardment damage." I call BS on that. I appreciate Ice Cream Clone. I appreciate the uh, you're, you're trying to make it make sense, and that's honorable and an admirable thing. But I don't, I don't. <laughs> I, because we see everything pretty much okay during the coronation episode, right? right? And then I, I just still don't think any of it makes sense. I, I think JMS was on some more of that NyQuil, got his timelines confused, and suddenly Centauri Prime just bursts into flame every couple of years with no actual reason. So, And, you know, that's the whole reason why I dropped the War Without End down to a 3. It would have been a 4 or 4.5, but that one point right there just ruined it for me. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I, I'm trying to. Find, <laughs> I ran out of. You know, Andy, I, I hear you say that, and all I can think is that smoke weed every day. That's all I can think is going on around here, man. That's all. Uh, and then finally, finally, to bring this shambles to an end. Allison, good old Allison, says, guys, although it's never concretely spoken into Dream in the City of Sorrows, why are Ducat's dying words to Delenn, uh, maybe, I think maybe she left out a comma there or something. I think she's saying, although it's never concretely spoken into Dream. Okay, she's, uh, or, I'm confused about how she worded this, but do with it what you will. She says, although it's never concretely spoken into Dream in the City of Shadows, of Sorrows, why are Ducat's dying words to Delenn, quote, you are a child of Valen, unquote? Hmm. I continue to argue that JMS just kept changing his mind. Because I don't... Yep. 
I, I, and, and does that mean like a child availing like you're a child of Jesus or something and it's not literal, right. you know, or I don't know. I don't know. I, I think he left it vague enough so he would never have to answer the question. <laughs> and he's tried not to. All right. Well, no, I appreciate you guys. Uh, con- I don't just because I laugh or, or, or debate or whatever doesn't mean I don't fully respect and appreciate your, uh, your opinions and your um, questions, gang. So keep them coming. That was really good. We've had some yeah. really good comments and questions from our patrons the last couple of episodes. I love our patrons. I think I, I, they're, they're very great. interactive and they're highly educated about the show and they're they're really engaged with the, the podcast. So yeah, they're they're awesome. They're I love awesome. interacting with them. And that's why I want more folks to join up with them and just keep the party going. All right, Andy, I think we're about done. Any final thoughts? Nope. I think uh, I, I, I think we, we wrapped this one up. I think we did. So we're going to get on out of here. This is going to be yet another White Rocket Babylon 5 review podcast. I don't think I said what it was at the beginning of the show, but I think by this point everybody knows, hopefully. Um, but we will return. <laughs> to, yeah, I, what, what show is this we're listening to? I don't know. But uh, we will return in two weeks with The Rock Cried Out No Hiding Place. And uh, it's not a WWE. It's not. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks a bunch, Andy. We'll talk to you soon. All right, take care, buddy. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment Production.